Do take a seat as we have our next reading, which is from Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that poured us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just um, as I was listening to that reading afresh, it reminded me of a moment in uh, one of uh, our Old Testament lectures when I was at um, theological college training for ministry. And listening to our Old Testament lecturer explain to us that that passage we just heard is still um, a deeply mysterious passage. Um, We know that he's talking about a mysterious figure called the suffering servant, but actually in its original context, no one really knows what it actually means. Um, And I was just reminded by that as I listened uh, to Ken read it. So we've looked so far at the scandal of the cross, and for this reflection, I want to look with you at the beauty of the cross. Because just as the cross appears foolish and scandalous to the world, but is actually where God's wisdom and power is displayed, so also there's a hidden 
and breathtaking beauty to the cross, despite its sheer apparent ugliness. Now, Tim Keller says that revival happens when people who thought that they knew the gospel realize that they don't. They realize that they think they know what the cross is about and then see that they don't, and they rediscover its life-changing power. And what I want to do in this reflection is really to remind you of this uh, beautiful and simple truth that Jesus died for you. That Jesus died for you. And my prayer really is that in this Easter season, the full gravity and the joy and the forgiveness of that truth would be brought home to you and I in a fresh way. Now, if you're anything like me, you hear those words, Jesus died for you, and you think, well, yes, I know that already on some level. Uh, But do you and I really know it? Clearly, the Corinthians in that previous reading, that previous reflection, they knew on some level that Jesus had died uh, for them on a conceptual level. But the life's work of discipleship is getting that truth, Jesus died for me, it's, a, it's the life's work of discipleship to get that truth deep down into our minds, deep down into our thinking, deep down into our desires and into our, the motivational structures of the human heart. Now, on one level, whether we're Christians or not, we can all appreciate the beauty of self-sacrifice. Netflix and Amazon Prime is testament to that. Uh, There's all sorts of shows with the theme of self-sacrifice at the heart of it. But what Jesus did when he died for you and I was not just some pumped-up version of that. It wasn't just some, uh, you know, pumped-up version of a Hollywood film. It was so much more than that. The Apostle Paul puts it like this, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. So he's saying, yes, there's that Hollywood and Netflix kind of, kind of self-sacrifice, and it make, sometimes it can make for a nice story. But then he goes on to say this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. While we were enslaved and addicted, Christ died for us. While we hated God and wanted nothing to do with him, he's saying Christ died for us. And Paul's saying, really, that there's a qualitatively different and better and infinitely higher love that Jesus shows by dying for us. His death for us stands alone because of who is dying, the perfect Son of God, and because of who he's dying for, sinners, that's you and I. It's for this utterly unworthy crowd that Jesus dies. And in that incredible passage we heard Ken read from Isaiah chapter 53, it's this amazing piece of prophetic literature foreshadowing the cross of Christ. And the New Testament authors come back to that passage a lot. And in verse 5 it declares, But he was pierced 
for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So when we consider that Jesus died for us, what we're saying is that we've all done things that deserve punishment, but that amazingly Jesus substituted himself for us, that he was pierced, even though he was perfect and sinless, that he was pierced for our our transgression, for our sin. But more than that, that we actually receive healing through the wounds that he suffered. The great reformer Martin Luther called this the great exchange, that we get all of Jesus' righteousness and he gets all of our sin. And while that is a scandal to the world, it is for those who know and love him, it is the most beautiful thing in the universe. And you can see this incredible exchange on the cross foreshadowed in this passage. And in verse 6, it's just so powerful. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Sheep are not the smartest animals, are they? And without the the shepherd, they easily go astray. I can relate to that. And he says, He's saying we as human beings are like that. We are prone to go astray from God. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And then it says this, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And the reason I'm so excited about this passage about this great exchange that God has done is because it means for you and I once for all, amongst many things, the death of shame. The longer I go on in pastoral ministry, the more convinced I am and the more I see the enslaving power of shame. Shame is the great robber of joy. Shame tells you that you'll always be defined by what you did or that you are defined by what someone else did to you. Shame tells you that you are the worst thing that as anyone has ever done or said to you. But the cross, the great exchange, tells you, no, you are who God says you are. And God says that you are forgiven. God says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God says, I will take your shame and your guilt. I will take the nails that would have gone through your hands and feet, and I'll do this so that you can walk free from shame. It's absolutely beautiful. Now, I love uh, this picture. I've got a picture here of one of my favorite pieces of art by uh, Grunewald. And I, I like the realism of it. So you can see the strain on Jesus' face, his hands as well. Do you notice his hands contorted in pain? Um, But what I'm always drawn to and what I want to draw your attention to in this picture right now is that exaggeratedly long finger of John the Baptist pointing to Jesus. And to me, this image summarizes everything about what God calls us to do with the facts of Good Friday. 
about what he wants us to do when we speak with our non-Christian friends and family. We point them to the cross because it's the cross that actually answers so many of the questions that people have about Christianity, and yet I find I'm far too slow to actually talk about the reality of the cross. You know, when people are asking, people are asking questions like, how can I live a life that's free? How can I be free from shame? Well, we can point to the cross and say, well, Jesus was beaten and shamed and hung naked on a tree so that we could live in freedom. You know, when people are asking, why is there so much suffering in this life, pointless, horrendous, awful suffering? We can point to the cross and say, I don't understand all of the evil and suffering in this world, but let me tell you that God is not distant from your pain or suffering. And I know that because he went to the cross and he understands your pain. When people are asking, how could I ever hope to approach God when I feel so utterly disqualified and unworthy? We can point to the cross again and say, all of us are unworthy. And Jesus took your punishment and paid the ultimate price so that you can know that you're forgiven, even if you struggle to feel forgiven. When so many young people are asking, will there ever be justice in this life? Again, we can point to the cross and say, we feel that someone should pay, and the reality is that someone has paid. And people can either receive his forgiveness or face judgment. And so the cross is a scandal to some, But to us, it is the wisdom, the power, and the beauty of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that simple but utterly glorious truth that Jesus died for me, for you. Please, by your Spirit, would you reveal full extent of all that that means for us. Help us to see the freedom and joy that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.